we are in our fourth week on talking about uh, trust. Now, there's been a few of y'all that said, man, you've stepped on my toes. You stirred me up on this stuff. Uh, I tell you what, trust is really the rubber meets the road issue of Christianity. And that this is our, our life with God is defined by this trust. A lot of times we also hear the word faith. And some, sometimes that can kind of get confusing and kind of this mysterious thing that we either have or we don't have. But we've been looking at this series, which basically is a faith series, and we're just com- looking at it through the scope of the word trust so that we can really sink our teeth into it a little bit better because really... What having faith in God for something or whatnot is basically just trusting God in that area. That he's right. And he's a supreme authority on this. And he loves me. And so therefore I should follow what he has told me I ought to do. That he's going to take care of me. Now we've launched with this phrase every week. And we're going to read it one more time. Because see at Celebration Church you'll find it on our website. You'll find it different places. Our mission is to help people to know God better and to trust Him more. We know that by really trusting God, people really live the life that they're called to live. So that's what we want to do. If I show up here and I talk to you and I don't help you to trust God, I have failed. Every week, I don't care if it's a trust series or not. It's all about us knowing God better and trusting Him more. That is the core of what we're trying to do here. Now, trust or faith. It is the central ingredient to us living the new life we have in Christ. See, God has been, and this week we're looking at trust for our needs, and God has been a provider from the very beginning, and he wants to continue to be that for us. God cares about our daily needs. He does. And God wants to to provide for us. Now I'm telling you, it is so vital, it is so important that we get this little piece of truth down. Okay, it is, and I I had always, I had studied it for years, I had always known it, but man, I'm telling you, while we were traveling back in 2008, it just came, came so aware to me of how liberating it is to not worry about finances. It's just incredibly liberating and how oppressive it is to have it nagging in the back of your mind. Now, while we were traveling, we decided that we were going to take a little stopover at this little place called Disney World. We had always wanted to go. And, uh, you know, I know that a lot of Christians out there that have boycotted and want. We didn't. We paid to go. And we didn't boycott them. And uh, we went and... Um, Took our motor home there and, and parked, and we were there for uh, six days or seven days. And while when we bought our uh, when we bought our tickets, there was this option that you could buy the a dining plan, a, a meal plan, where you basically pre-bought your meals, and then you had you could go in and just kind of choose off the menu whatever you wanted to. And I was opting to not because it's a pretty significant upgrade, and I was being tight and said no. And uh, somebody said, no, you're going to have a lot more fun if you'll just do that. So I, I chose the two-day-a-meal meal plan. We'd just eat cereal in the motorhome in the morning, forget the breakfast thing, and then we would do lunch and the snack and dinner thing. So we go, and we go all week long, 
have a, have a great time. The first meal that we go to, of course, there's seven people in my family. We go in, and we're in this nice <clears throat> sit-down restaurant, and, and the drinks my kids ordered alone were six bucks apiece. And I was like, well, that's 30 bucks for drinks just for my kids. But it was on the meal plan, so I didn't care. Order whatever you want. You know, they were ordering all this stuff. You know, I had steak and shrimp with every meal. You know, Weston, who loves to order the most expensive thing on the menu, period. I mean, you can hide the prices. And he just knows. And he'll just pick it. I guarantee it. He's not doing it on purpose. He just has his mama's taste in things. And, and so I'm telling you, we, just had a, we just had a great time. We'd go to the, to the quick service meal. And Keenan would step up there and he'd order him the double bacon cheeseburger basket. And, you know, normally I was like, okay, we're gonna, you and you are going to split a hamburger, and this is how we're going to do it. You're going to get two straws. You're going to take turns drinking. You know, we're going to maximize this thing. But I didn't care. And we just, had a, we just had a great time. Everybody got dessert. Man, well, this one, we had dessert. Everybody had these brownie sundaes sitting in them in these bowls, two bites taken out of them and discarded. I mean, just sweets all over the table. We just walked away. Man, used to, I would have just been screaming, you're going to eat every bite of that. And I tell you, it was just so liberating. It was so fun. And I didn't realize it until the last day. Because we were in the park seven days, but we only stayed there six nights. And you can only buy the meal plan for however many nights you're there. So the last day we're in the park, we don't have a meal plan. So all of a sudden, now I'm having to pay for all of this out of pocket. You know, when that, when that first meal that they come and they bring me the ticket for my family to eat was $225 then I didn't care because it was on the meal plan. I was like, that's awesome. Rack it up, kids. Rack it up. Let's see how big a one of these we can crank out. And so, but then that, that last day, we step up to the, the little quick service line, and Keenan, without thinking about it, orders this double bacon cheeseburger. And so this basket's like 10 bucks to like eat McDonald's food. It was just, it made me angry. So we get down, and I pay $70 for my family to eat hamburgers and stuff, and I'm just sitting there eating, and I'm just mad. I'm in the happiest place on earth, and I ain't happy at all. And it just makes me angry. And then I look over there, and Keenan's eating about half of his hamburger, and I hear it come out of my mouth. You are going to eat all of that hamburger. You will eat all of it. And all of a sudden, this thing, this concern, this weight about finances and money and all these things came back and it was just so incredibly oppressive and I had not realized how I had so just got used to living under this weight of just concern and just nagging worry until I lived a little bit of time where it didn't matter and I'm telling you it is incredibly liberating it's not that god wants us to be irresponsible it's not that god is advocating that we that we don't because we're totally going to get into our role but i'm telling you god wants us to trust him in a place where we can live without that weight on our lives i'm telling you, it is ridiculous you watch commercials how many acid reducers and acid stuff is given today i mean i if we asked i'd, I'd be amazed at how many people we had raise your hands and have to take some sort of deal for acid every day it'd be a bunch of us why because we're, there's just this thing we're just worry and concerned and these upset stomachs and all this mess and god wants to liberate us from that 
Now let's look here in Genesis. Let's look where God designed things to begin with, all right? We're going to be in Genesis 2. A little more of it's going to show up. We had to edit it down in your bulletin. We had to take some of the middle out, but it's going to be up on the screen. There in verse 8, it says, Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. I love it that God first plants this garden. A garden is defined by the things that are growing in it. Okay, It's not defined by the dirt with potential. It's desi- it's, a garden is defined by the fact that there's stuff there and it's producing. God created this thing that already had provision, already laid out, and then he placed man there. Adam did never know a minute of lack in his life at that point. God is total, total provision for him. It says, And the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were planned, <clears throat> that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which we talked about way back in the, the first of this series. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And from there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first was Pashon, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of the land is good. Now, why on earth all of a sudden that's pointed out? Adam's not having to, to buy anything. There's nobody down on the corner, no bank to go put his gold in. Why is that being pointed out? It's just because that, that kind of provision, that kind of extra, is just part of the way God designed it. Look, Having resources is not a bad thing. The Bible does not say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of it, keeping it, making it an idol, makes all sorts of yuck happen. But man, God, God has created this, this place of provision for us. It says a river watering the garden. Oh, okay, I'm behind. Um, then verse 13, the name of the second river is Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs all along the east side of Asher. And the fourth is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Okay, wow, we got to notice that there. This is before the fall. And God put him there to work and to take care of it. Guess what? I know this is going to sound dumb, but work is not a four-letter word. Okay? It's not a bad word. It's not something that we are in our lives to, to believe God to be redeemed from working, from being productive. That's not a promise. We do not have a promise of a life of leisure and, and drinks with little things sticking out of the top of them and, and hammocks for the rest of our lives. That is not a promise of God. Now, for us to be productive, for us to have things provided for us, for us to be like and made in the image of God, that, now that's a promise. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to work and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Disney's tried to reproduce what God did originally. You're free to just eat whatever. Just enjoy it. That was Adam lived in that place. You know, he he didn't sit there and have to worry and go, I got to eat every little bite of this. And make sure, you know, no, it was provided. It was just there. See, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will provide all your needs according to his glorious riches 
in Christ Jesus. We started, we had the the in series a few months ago where we learned about what it means to be in Christ, that it is a position. It's not something that all of a sudden we have to try to earn or to try to keep or, we, we, or that we kind of slip out of. No, when we, by faith, by trusting God, we are in Christ. And in that place is all sorts of wonderful stuff. We're in this room and none of us is trying to make the air conditioning work. We don't, we don't have any of us up there, you know, kind of cranking it. and We take our turns trying to keep it cool in here. No, we're in here, so it's cool. That's part of being in here. One of the things of our needs being provided is part of being in Christ. That's part of the package. See, the Bible has a whole lot to say about money. In fact, Jesus had 39 parables are told throughout this, and over half of them use money or work as an illustration. I'm telling you, trying to talk one week on finances in our trust series, this was stinking hard for me this week because there's just so much that's said in the Word of God about it. So what we want to do is we want to get the nugget here about what's happening here. So why do we struggle so much with this in the area of finances, of really giving it over to God, really trusting Him? Well, there's a problem we have to go back to Genesis to to check out. And the problem is that after man rejected God, a cursed condition exists in the area of provision. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. This is after they have chosen to sin, after they have listened to to the tempter, to Satan, and have uh, rejected what God had said. And now they're, they're, they're dealing with the aftermath of that. And it says, To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife, and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Right after this, we see that God moved him from the garden into a field. Now, a field is not defined by what grows the fact that a field exists a field can lie fallow a field is just a chunk of land with potential adam moved from a place of provision to a place where there's potential you go and you put some work into it you're going to be able to have some provision but he moved from a place of divine provision to a place where okay now you've got what you need go make it happen boy he moved him out into a field. And then you were able to, he was able to create of that field a life. You say, well, why do I need to trust God? I've made it this far on my own. Well, it's because you, you bucked up to the responsibility that you've got a field. And yeah, you can go out there. God's provided it to all people. You can go out there. You can work your field. You can, you can focus. You can put your sweat into it. And you can eke out a living. He didn't say you won't. It's impossible without him. He made it possible. He wants us to live. The thing is, is that there is this thing that comes with it. Is the burden of the responsibility and the weight of knowing if I don't work that field, I am not getting nothing. And this weight that I talked about earlier is there and is present. See, God wants us to break the responsibility, but know that He has promised that He is our provider. Because, see, Jesus freed us from that cursed state. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. I like the way the message translation reads it. And it should be up on the screen. It says, Christ redeemed us from the self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and at the same time dissolved the curse. That is so liberating to know that that thing, that cursed place where you are, where you are given the boot and kicked out into the field and say, do with it what you can. We are removed from that and we now can step into that place where he wants to provide our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's where we, he has brought us in. That place of in Christ is removed from the curse. Friday's blog, my wife was talking about the blog and us reading through the Bible. We've got a deal where we work to read through the Bible. We start in January and read through it together over the course of a year. Some of you are just doing the New Testament part. Some of you are just doing some here and there. I'm just glad that you're reading some and putting the Word of God in you. Well, on Friday... I, we, our reading was Galatians chapter 3. And I commented on this on the blog about how wonderful it is that, that Christ came to redeem us from the curse. And see, this struggle with us really being able to trust God in this area is because that, that, that curse dimension, it really does exist. We, we, we know struggle. We know financial struggle. We see it all the time. We see people go down. We know that that's there, and we're exposed to that mostly. And so sometimes it's hard for us to really embrace the truth that is even more real in Christ, that the realm of blessing is there. Remember we talked about the pivotal thing with this trust deal back in Deuteronomy 30, 19. I've said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing, you choose this trusting to choose God, to, this choosing to trust God is a choice. There was an illustration told me by Pastor John, a guy who was here uh, about a month ago. Um, and I just loved it when they were showing that uh, they were doing some training with some astronauts and stuff. And they were doing this little public demonstration. And they took this guy who was, you know, he's just hardcore astronaut guy, can take on whatever, and uh, stick him in this chair that rotates. And they start with him and they're interviewing him. And I said, okay, we're going to put this blindfold on you. And we're going to begin to, to do stuff with this chair. You just tell us what's happening. You just narrate for us what's happening. So they put the blindfold on him, have the cameras rolling. They sit there and there's a mic where they can hear him. And, and so they start turning him. And they start turning him to the right and turning him to the right. So he's sitting there going, turning right, turning right, turning right, turning right. They speed him up a little bit, turning right faster, turning right faster, turning right, turning right. And so they pretty much they just hold him at a constant speed. And pretty soon he says, all right, slowing down. Slowing down and you're watching. He ain't slowing down, it's the same speed. And pretty soon he goes, all right, stopped. I'm stopped. He's still just spinning. So then they decide to stop it. And they stop his chair. And he goes, turning left, turning left, turning left. And he's actually stopped. Why? It's because of the way our brain works with, the, with our inner ear and our equilibrium. And eventually he was exposed to the same motion long enough. It hit this equilibrium and everything told him 
he was totally at ease. He was totally stopped when he was in motion. Then all of a sudden, it actually stopped. And then it freaked him out. Ah, everything was shifted and piled up in his ear. And, and he, is, he was, was convinced that he was turning left. See, part of this, when we begin to trust God in this area, it will feel so awkward. that you're, And initially, you're like, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And you begin to trust God a little bit. And, and go, okay, now we're going to, God's, through the Holy Spirit has led me to, to step out and begin to, to do this or to do that. And then you'll start going, oh, go without, go without, go without, go without. And really, you're finally stepping over into blessing. You're finally stepping into this place where God is going to be taking care of you out of obedience and trust in Him. So how do we live this, live in the blessed life that we have in Christ? And we do it by trust. We simply trust. Now this trust, this trust is a paradoxical combination of rest and work. Okay, remember work was way back in, in the beginning. Which sounds like, okay, what is it? Is it rest or is it work? Yes. There's this place of trust in both. See, our, our Christian lives are full of paradox. We're totally full, full, uh, filled with it. We have the fact that we have to die to live. That just seems counterintuitive. The Bible says that for us, that as we give, then we will surely receive. It sounds like I'm just going to get poorer and poorer, but God says, wait a second, as I get to act like him, because he so loved that he gave, and yet now he's receiving many, many sons. As I step into this, it seems like a paradox. But no, there's this life that's there. And when we really trust God in this area, then we will trust God in the area of, and it will demonstrate in rest and work. The rest part is not being fearful and full of worry. It's trusting that God lovingly cares for you and that his word is true and will produce what it says it will produce. That is trusting God. You told me the truth and I can hang my life on it, God. Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Don't be day seven with Brandon Clark on the Disney vacation. Be day one through six. Don't worry. Don't worry about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? I'm going to read it on down. A response to this in the message, when we jump down to verse 31. It says, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Everybody say, relax. Relax. Rest. <clears throat> to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God. Remember, we, we know Him, we begin to trust Him more. People who don't know God the way He, and the way he works fuss over everything. But you know both God and how He works. Steep your life in God reality. The fact that He's won the, won the victory for us. The fact that there's a promise of provision. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. So the, the rest part is knowing that He is thinking about your needs more than you are. He thinks about you all the time. And we can rest in that. We can. We can. But then the work part. It is simply in doing 
what He says we should do. It is trusting that out of love for us, He has included us in His kingdom. It is trusting that His word is true and that it will produce what it says it will produce. See, God did not send Jesus to win a bunch of pets for Him. Ooh, aren't they cute? Here, I want to give you your little food for the day and, and keep you in your little box, in your little kennel. And, you know, Jesus, you know, get me all of these pets, you know, and bring all these little pets that I can just pamper and care for and, and just... No. Jesus came to win sons. And sons enter in to the Father's work. Sons are participants. We participants in the blessing and participants in some of the responsibility. And that's the work part of saying, God, you're right. And I'm not working out of this fear that if I don't get out here and hit this field, I'm going to starve. But I'm going to do what you've said is right to do. And you're going to take care of the rest. 2 Corinthians 9.10 But he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people. But it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. There is this seed to the sower. The one who's, who's getting work in the kingdom done. And also bread for food. See Proverbs 21.5 says the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenty, but the thoughts of everyone who is hasty only to poverty. Second Thessalonians 3.10 tells us, For <clears throat> even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he will not eat. The kingdom of God is not about freeloading. It is about faithful participation. It is about stepping I'm doing it and not working out of this thing, trying to earn something with God, but in lovingly pouring out to God and knowing that he is going to provide for us. See, Forrest Gump got a few things right. And one of them was stupid is as stupid does. But you know, it also opens up to the fact that trust is as trust does. Faith is as faith does. That's what the, James was writing all along there in, in chapter 2 when he says in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Or trust by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Okay? I, way back when, when we started this, I told you about me bungee jumping and all of that. It, it wasn't really trust until I finally jumped, if you want to call it that. Just kind of let go and fell. And, but when I put my full weight upon it, that was when trust was there. And so in the same way... Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works, or I have deeds. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Part of us trusting God. God says, I have equipped you with talents and abilities. I've, I, I've given you things to, to work and to do. And part of us trusting God is getting out there and putting it to work. That's, that's trusting God. That's not, if now our heart deal, if we take it upon ourselves, yeah, then all of a sudden it's back in our hands. If we're working a field instead of working in, in loving for God, then all of a sudden we take the responsibility back. We're in this place of trust. 
do the things God has asked us to do. See, God will be our support, but he doesn't want to put us on life support where he just meets out all these little things to us. We have a responsibility as well, and it's a wonderful thing. So how do we do this? We do it according to Colossians 3 and 12 and Romans 12. We make our whole life one big symphony of trust. See, Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work, all, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And Romans 12 says, and this is the message translation, for here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your eating, sleeping, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. See, as we grow in knowing all that God has provided for us in Christ, then we can choose to simply trust Him. Trust Him to provide for all of our needs. That is what this trusting God in this area is about, is knowing He loves us so much. We don't have to be bogged down with the weight of it. His burden is easy and His yoke is light. But you know what? There is a yoke. Which are, you're yoked up to, to, to do some work. There is this thing. So there's this wonderful place of rest and work. And all of it is a place of trust. All of it. Is a wonderful, wonderful place of trusting God and doing what His Word says you can do. I would encourage you, as you're reading this week, as you spend some time in the Word of God, just note places where He says, okay, God, what, what are some of my responsibilities and what are some of the responsibilities you've taken? I want to do mine and trust you to do yours. Lord, in the area of finances, I just encourage you, just keep a little notebook or write in the back of your Bible. Yes, it's okay to write in your Bible. Mine's all written in. It's a good thing. And just begin to see, because God will just speak to you about how to deal with your daily life and get this weight off of you so you can live the life that is truly life. This morning, I want to encourage you, <clears throat> encourage everyone, if you've not made a decision to really trust God for your eternity, that's where all this begins. So if everybody could bow your heads real quick. We want to create a quiet moment here for those who are, who are in need of, of making a decision for Christ. 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 Making a decision for Christ.